0: OTB GAA Listen Tony well, he scored 3-4 the last day uh, like I said it there during the week that like if you scored 3-4 in training you expect Michael Deegans to come down the <laughs> helicopter and
1: <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts Off the ball daily
0: now you're welcome along Sunday paper review so I'll give you the back pages first of all Limerick are everywhere that's the short story Sunday world here uh, nuclear treaty so again it's uh, Galway blown away as Galan's goal see Limerick book their place in the final Limerick won by 9 points in the end 224 to 118 and then United move on Onana as well Day announced his departure from the club over the weekend and it seems that Manchester United are closing in on Andre Onana of Inter Milan back page of the Mail on Sunday brilliant picture here of Conor Boylan and Mikey Casey having a big hug at full time beautiful day at Crow Park yesterday uh, great pictures Kylie Sis Limerick have already secured their legacy no matter what happens in the All-Ireland final they're already a great team says uh, John Kiley. Then we have a picture here of uh, Keane Healy celebrating a point mid game for Limerick. Glans, two goal blitz, too much for Galway, is the lead on the Sunday Independent. Similar on the back page of Sun Sport A1 Aaron, Glans, two goals, his 2 6 in total destroy Galway. And the word is that Declan Hannan could well make it for the final. He was absent yesterday, obviously, through uh, injury. Another picture, Sunday Times, this time of Keane Lynch, similar to the uh, Sun picture. The dream is still alive, is the headline. Limerick looking for a four in a row. And the lead story alongside that Keane Lynch photo on the Sunday Times. uh, Emotional David De Gea exits after 12 years at Manchester United. So 32 years of age, 545 appearances. And he's uh, expressed his gratitude to the club. And then finally, the mirror here has a picture of Dermot Burns and Groge Hegarty uh, two man mountains green giants is the uh, headline what are they 6'4 six, 6'5 six, each I wouldn't like to stand next to them in that photo put it that way so <laughs> two of them arm in arm posing for the camera after full time uh, three in a row champs stand tall at Croker and now Hannon could make return for place in Hurling history very happy to say we have a Foley here in studio you're very welcome back Thank you, Jim. and Johnny Ward is here as well usually
1: of a Saturday with John Duggan we've yeah, dragged him in for a Sunday papers we've had a bit of time off I don't think we're back till another four weeks maybe this weekend and uh, yeah we we all needed the break from each other I think, you know, <laughs> and probably the listener needed a break from us as well. But it's been nice to I mean it's strange for me looking at clubs going back playing pre season when like you're literally just ended the season. And obviously I'm from the League of Ireland sort of um narrative so you know this is it's not off season. You're going into European football now with the clubs that um, are playing in Europe who are in pre season it's all very strange that it's all happening again. Yeah. Um no real break but um no break for Galway yesterday, Joe. No. no, It was looking good, obviously,
0: for the first 25 minutes, and then the remainder was 118 to six points.
2: Shame, Shane McGrath has a great line. I, <clears throat> when you're a writer, you love great writing. And you know the way we always say how hard it is to do match reports on the fly? But he does this brilliant um, farming analogy. He says, the great green treasure. You're talking about how people are worried about them. The great green treasure looked to be, if not rusting, then starting to creak. Odd noises emerged from within the works. The old power might be dimming. On the most famous meadow in Irish sport, roared and chewed and Consumed all before it it's brilliant line
1: Jane is great I, I was line. funny you said about match reports I was in Inchicord the other night for Pats and Cork City Shamrock Rovers were drawn nil all in their game so Pats were going to drop into a two point situation where they'd be two points off the lead Derry City were losing sorry we're, were level so I'd, it was a, like a formality of a game they were 1-0 up Pats so I'd written my match report probably with, se- <laughs> probably with about probably about 15 minutes to I was like if there's another goal it'll be Pats goal so Pats have emerged as a big threat to Shamrock Rovers and um, this is, you know, they now have like 26 points from 11 games since John Daly took over, or whatever it was. <sighs> Derry scored and then Cork scored in the last minute right <laughs> so I was like if, if, if I had a deadline for the newspaper here I was absolutely royally screwed like I had to change everything like top to bottom the whole article the whole uh, message was wrong everything I said was wrong because of one goal and uh, yeah Dan McDonald, I was texting about it after and he was like I bet you had your laptop like literally wrapped in the bag and I looked down at my <laughs> laptop in the bag yeah. and I was like <laughs> the art of the match award when something <laughs> late happens
2: it is great it's great when you see it done well done it's beautifully done but it was, he just captured exactly what happened yesterday
1: this was a match report that you know you could have written after 50 minutes as well Like, um, I, I don't know I was looking I was behind sort of Henry and maybe 10 or 12 seats back that side of the ground and it looked, as, it looked as as if we weren't much different in that I was a spectator to this, you know, um, unfolding massacre. And Henry looked as bewildered as I did. And maybe Galway didn't have the bench, but like when you'd have an island, there was one moment in the second half when Evan Island was literally like, um, it was like throwing a, a baby into a bunch of lions. He was absolutely swarmed, looked completely physically out of his depth, as did three or four of the Galway players. But it was strange looking at Henry. He just seemed like, I was like, is he not seeing this? Because this is a complete sea change Galway were a point up at half time it should have been five or six but it wasn't and saying. at the same time like we scored three points in about 25 minutes in the second half Conor Whelan was completely out of the game but it, it almost looked like Henry didn't know what to do it was almost like he was completely I, I can't do anything about this and it was a strange strange sight to see and um, yeah it was bewildering because um, Limerick were amazing but at the same time Galway's um, lack of response was somewhat sad actually to watch mm,
2: and it, maybe it is like a, well they Certainly bench strength is a huge factor as well but to think that they're doing that without Hannon without Sean Finn okay mm. they didn't have to dramatically rearrange things or whatever but it's just their appetite even in those last minutes when they were leading whatever by 10-9 or whatever it was they still, they're still they still swarming around yeah. like savages
0: mm. <laughs> they Shefflin, are phenomenal and, and Shefflin said even the feeling at half time
1: wasn't great you know yeah. we're, we're no, a point job because they
2: didn't do enough they, they should have, them. have put, they should have put so much more, more our, on them um, so it yeah, hits off the hole yeah, on the yeah, ground yeah, yeah.
1: Limerick go down, and get a point. So that was instead of being, I think, nine points up, we were five. Um, and then I felt for the first goal, like, I felt like I was right in front, of it and everyone in the ground around me thought that's a free out. But then you can't just exonerate Galway. So where where is Shefflin now? Like in Derek Ling today, like I think that's kind of nearly a fifty-fifty game. Derek Ling could bring Kilkenny to an All Ireland final, and Henry will have a lot to think about because um, like that was by Galway standards, to lose a game like that was fairly demoralising. But
2: the good, but the um, puck out strategy went to mm. hell. I mean, I mean, that was the clear thing that was happening in the second half and, and why he didn't adjust it quicker and mm. play shorter earlier that's what I just couldn't understand but look yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they are an awesome outfit and uh, it is going to take an awesome team yeah. to go anywhere near them at this stage it's, 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 it's the, it's the reorganisation it's the you look over at Canerkin and, and mm. the sideline and the boys are having a chat and then suddenly you know and I mean there is references a few places today Today, did, did Quaid deliberately you know play for time in the goal what's going on there mm. Mm. but definitely after that little break oh, they mm. had suddenly started yeah, to, yeah, to organise yeah. themselves I'm sure he did and yeah. I, wouldn't, yeah. I
0: wouldn't criticise him for it
2: either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not for the first time no. they reckon but like definitely something went in something was said and suddenly you know and for all he says oh I'll let him sort it what did he say at the end well, I'll let them sort it out themselves so, I mean. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I, yeah, nobody I would,
0: believes that I know but it's funny I was trying to see what have, have they done something tactically here and like to my eye I just couldn't see. whatever Limerick yeah. did I don't know what they did um, but it did also I also feel like Galway akin to a boxer. Just threw everything at them. They, it just was Just threw like everything. They did for, and, and, for twenty minutes. And any team, even as good as Limerick, you kind of take a few blows and you sort of absorb them. Yeah. And then you take a deep breath and Galway are a little bit punch mm. drunk and then you arm wrestle them and it, yeah. it, it felt a bit
1: like that. I couldn't, I couldn't actually, like we were maybe slightly closer to the sort of forty-five on the side that Galway were attacking into the first half. Yeah. I couldn't see Conor Wheel in the second half. It was like as if they just moved to another another pitch and I was like, you could see all the movement. The Galway were so. Good in the first half fine wheeling all the time right behind the goal by Kyle Mannion what a goal and you're like I'm not sure many players would have gone for that but you have the ability to but in the second half it was, it was a car crash in slow motion I was like yeah. Jesus is this actually happening Christian O'Connor um,
2: has a good piece actually in the Sunday Indo today just on, he, like he's looked at the statistics of it and it's Sunday well times, worth or Sunday yeah. Times rather and he has he, it that's well worth looking at because I think he was saying that, that how little possession they had uh, in the first half Connor Wheeling and Brian Kincan had 19 possessions mm. And second half they combined four, yeah and that will just tell you about right. the yeah. inability to get the ball into them, the, and the very opposite on the Limerick side. it's, it's, it's a good statistical answers. Did, did I there. see
0: as well? Um, I think Michael Dignan mentioned it certainly, and maybe elsewhere as well. Just a few grumbles, or a, let's just note by the way a certain disappointment that none of the teams this weekend did any media. In the build, yeah, uh, yeah. So. Now yeah. still got you get sixty thousand through the door. Maybe it's not overly um, impactful. Let's not.
2: Well, it was. It kind of has. Come up with pieces during the week. It was mentioned kind of all week, and just uh, neither teams, none of the semi finalists t- did a media night, and that was the thing. Yeah. Is before an All Ireland semi-final in recent years, that would be traditional. They'd open the door and they'd bring a few players out at right. least, and, and that just didn't happen this year at all. So there has been some debates about it,
0: and yet still um, a great crowd.
2: Well, yes. Then there's the argument, and in the in the in the in the modern era, the argument is. Uh, if teams and stuff are doing are feeding stuff to their fans, you know, and people go to the big matches, do you need it? Mm. You know, I'd argue that you still do, but I'm probably a traditionalist and I'm a journalist, so I'd have it <laughs> differently. Um, Shane McGrath's a good place today because he's saying, you know, this this hand about kind of a media blackout. There's nothing new in it. Now he mm. says, you know, obviously it kind of it, it it reached its nadir probably with with Brian Cody's Kilkenny, and Dublin. Jim Gavin under uh, uh, Jim Gavin, but um, he was saying there's still plenty to talk about, and actually one of the things he points out to is concussion. John Fogarty did a good piece on concussion in the J in the Examiner during the week. But actually, I think there's very little discussion of concussion like when you consider how many players and the importance of it, and Shane O'Donnell there today and it's coming out in, in recent years. Um, that is something that is, you know hasn't been talked about. Um, there's plenty of talk today, obviously, about football and yeah. you know the way the game is going. But there are other things to talk about. But I, I still like. I still like player profiles. There's actually a couple of nice ones today, even though you haven't directly, in, in the case of TJ Reid and not talked directly to him, it's possible I sometimes think to get the best pieces without talking to Absolutely. a player. But there's a nice piece with his brother, Richie Reid, who obviously was put up for the Sundays and um, I think Philip Philip uh, Lanigan in the Mail on Sunday probably has the best of them, but uh, there's a nice piece of, with the brother today and uh, the same with uh, Donald Keoghan from Meade. Um He's done a piece, you know, and, and the problem with that is everybody gets the same access to the player so you get very similar pieces if yeah, you like I, um, I but that TJ Reid uh, piece is good and you were talking about it earlier on uh,
1: yeah I'm try- trying to find it here now um, but the, the, the TJ Reid I, I guess it opened up some aspects to um, TJ that I wouldn't necessarily have known Just uh, this is this is his brother no this is TJ's well um, no
2: that's the TJ piece is in the Sunday Times
1: yeah. where Richie's the brother Richie's, the Richie's in, in,
2: a, in a, a, quite a few of them yeah
1: there was um, reference to um yeah, th- this is a piece by Michael Foley. Mike Foley is a brilliant piece in the Hill 16 that we'll get to as well. Um, so is this like a profile piece of TJ Reid? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, like, OK. So, he's, he's, he, six points this afternoon moves him past Patrick Horgan as Hurling's all-time leading scorer. Mm. Now, what if he got five points today, just for argument's sake? It would be quite interesting because, like the, the the odds are, Kilkenny might lose, but like he's he's thirty six in November, the same age that Shefflin and Kerr uh, retired with a young family and a growing business. All the conditions are there for Reed to step away now. But how close does it feel to the end on a day like this? Miles away, and it, it, there's some lovely anecdotes about um, when he came into training. He'd uh, he basically the the Kilkenny lads would all be kind of. Yeah, before Kilkenny Sessions got their stern face on, Reed was the one out uh, early lighting the mood soloing downfield and striking points commentating as he went you can imagine Brian <laughs> Cody looking at this Brian would be laughing the lads would be laughing and he has this real like you wouldn't see it in his performance because he's the ultimate like maximise my ability maximise my career left and right amazing um, from freeze you know gym work all that but he's actually a bit of a messer and uh, there's a lovely piece about him and I, one thing as well which um, Michael referenced which I Johnny sorry just there, there, there killing me
0: here will you speak into the mic a bit more because you're actually gone the other way Yeah. Well,
1: so one one thing that uh, I thought was interesting as well um the, the brand space that Reid occupies in a list of the top Irish sports earners on Instagram recently compiled by a betting company um, Reid was the highest placed GA player at ninth so he's like he's a lot of brand um, oh, right. kind of potential and that's what like cleaners getting to there like if I actually feel it's unfair for for management and for counties to muzzle their players because Well that was Dignan's point he said look yeah. I, I got a gig on the Sunday game Yeah, the bank yeah. having a Exactly and yeah, yeah. TJ Reid and like all these lads who I mean we'll talk about Conor McManus but if Conor McManus, at, in his mid 30s, has given everything he has for Monaghan. I can't say that Monaghan or anyone in Monaghan can stop him maximising his own potential because, um, and again, Eamon Sweeney wrote about this last weekend like the money that has been made by all sorts of people from the skills of GA players that they can't capitalise on themselves. Yeah, yeah. the overlap. Yeah, uh, for instance.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I yeah. And a nice slide on that actually about yeah. you know, TJ Reid changed his grip. You know, he changed he changed from to right hand to left hand or the other way around as a hurler and oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that and you see brilliant players being able to do it and they talk about how how it how long it took him to change and how the Kilkenny players thought he was a bit mad when he did they it change. initially. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. he
1: came to Kenny training first he was like a little child, says eight and forty. It was like when you'd be out pucking ball off the wall, T J might put one over from the sideline and shout up for himself <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's lovely because like where he stands in terms of the the great players, it's, it's he's obviously well up there. But yeah. he he hasn't really regressed. I, I mean, I, I I'm not watching hurling every day of the week, but I don't know if he's regressed at all in his mid thirties.
2: Well, no, and wha- and and the piece ch- as well is is how his role has changed. So there now he actually he was saying just now now in in this end of his career, he's really turned into a provider in the last few years. Finding pockets of space with his intelligence, vision is amazing. The piece with the brother is good as well. Mm-hmm. I think Philip Lannigan is coming out of the shadows, you know, and it's just how, between the club, he started out as a goalkeeper and how, over the years, he's changed, and he's filling in this, of course, a pivotal role for Kilkenny once Michael Fenley went number six. It's such a hard role to yeah. fill, you know. And um, so, just generally, there are pieces there. Um, I, You know, you, li- you like to see them. I always like to see them. I, just, I think people... You know, people like to to know about people mm. off the pitch. They like to mm. know where they're coming from. These little nuggets about his personality that he used to be, you know, so mm. playful and everything at training.
0: Yeah, well, I do no. have to say, I like the See idea that. now of the thought of TJ Reid, one of the great players of all time, commentating on himself. Yeah, it's Plays, brilliant. It brings a certain uh, deeper <laughs> understanding to him. A change attack, totally. So uh, quite a few of the Sundays are having their say on the football of last week, if we're sticking with the GA theme for a <laughs> oh,
2: moment. Oh, it was sweet. so Oh, well,
0: we'll come to that good. in a second. I mean, second. I
2: laughed out I'll, loud. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll come to him in the se- That's a more negative uh, view. But <laughs> on uh, pages eight and nine, for instance, here of the Sunday Independent, Tommy Conlon, the big two get their ducks in a row for final push. And Joe Broly, we shouldn't be shocked. The dubs have us in awe again. So I know you picked this out. Johnny, Joe Brawley here is basically saying, and he, he's putting a lot of it at the, the feet of Gilroy, for instance. Um, he's saying the dubs are back in a real way. And he references an interview, which I would really recommend as well, that Gilroy did on their Free State podcast, Pat Gilroy doesn't do many interviews it was great insight yeah. he told us writes Joe Brawley that he didn't leave the house for a month after the startled Earwig's uh, defeat to Kerry all those years ago demonically working on uh, radical reconstruction plans amongst other things he drew up a list of 12 players who would never play for Dublin again after consulting a friend about the list he decided to relent and he said nine of those <laughs> players went on to win multiple All-Irelands he calls Gilroy the most overqualified water boy in the history (laughs) of the game. (laughs) And so basically, he says of Dublin, a team that was boring themselves and their spectators to death, going backwards sideways, tackling half-heartedly, refusing to take their men on and generally squandering their great inheritance has been brought back to life by the Gilroy defibrillator. Uh, Kieran Kilkenny, against Mayo was dropped and I have little doubt this was because of his recent habit of playing lateral risk-free football. When he was brought on last Sunday he was energized, magnificent, surging forward, tackling fiercely. And he says, just as Gilroy did with Bernard Brogan in 2011, he has electrified Kilkenny by leaving him on the bench. And again, he talks about Dublin first half. Half-hearted rubbish is what he calls it. But the second half, they suddenly emerged from their three-year hibernation. A blitzkrieg was activated. And uh, he says, watching them, I thought of my own inadequacies as a footballer. And it does not often occur to me that
1: I may have <laughs> inadequacies. Well, I, I've got to say, no, I, say, <laughs> I sent you that earlier. So I'm uh, going to take ownership. Of rehashing that before you did, it's just, it's um I mean I don't know not, not one mention of Desi Farrell. No, um, did he not mention? He did. Him at all? He just, he I think him there is a mention
2: somewhere in it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, thought, I yeah, thought there was th- a mention somewhere. Or maybe that in was yeah.
1: another piece of it. Actually, yeah. th- that's that we should clarify that. Actually, that, right. that's an interesting one. Yeah, he said he called him like a Michelin it's star, right. a Michelin star chef uh, flipping burgers. Um, that line from Broly. I mean, I I'm not on Twitter, but I was uh, looking at some of Broly's stuff on on uh, Twitter this week, and he's been busy on the RT stuff, and he's he's never not engaging Joe because he's like such. I think he's such a complex character, Joe Brawley. And this is a really good piece, and that that piece where he says it does not often occur to me that I have inadequacies. A lot of the stuff he says, like. I don't know if he means this or not or if he's saying it entirely for reaction because I do feel with Joe, Joe needs to be loved. He I mean, certainly needs to ha- attract attention because otherwise, where does this last paragraph come from? I can't get my head around it. He goes, the return of Cluxton has had an enormous impact, which is massively true. And he says, relaxed as big Pat Jennings, he sets the highest standards. His presence is a signal to the team that everything is going to be okay. He reminds me of the great Bill Russell line. My ego demands for me the success of my team, which is a great line. Mm. Um, Um, Russell won 11 NBA championships with the Boston Celtics and is widely regarded as the greatest captain in history. And this is the bit I don't get, right? Cluxton is on his way to equaling that record and nothing can stop him. That, like, that makes zero sense So like Nothing can stop him Is not true Because Dublin will do well To be Kerry in a final If they get there this year And if Kluxen What's Kluxen on? Eight? Mm. So does he need to get to 11? He's, <laughs> he's on the way to equaling that So mm. uh, can, you, can anyone explain What Joe Raleigh actually means there? Or is he literally just doing this For me to be talking about him On the radio? Because that does not make any sense And it was at the end Of a brilliant piece So I don't know What the answer to that is Maybe it was more the greatest captain in history.
2: You're right. Actually, he doesn't. He does not mention Des Farrell I hadn't noticed that he hadn't mentioned Des Farrell mm. Tommy Conlon does on the other side. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy Conlon. Tommy Conlan is in I, agreement. I, that can I just
0: say, by the way, I, yeah. I think to be fair, the um, it doesn't occur to me that I they have. That I have inadequacies. It's just it's slightly. Oh, that's It's tongue in yeah. cheek. It's, it's a brilliant it has line. To be
2: tongue. I, I, I it sent has that to, to a lot of people cheek. on WhatsApp,
1: he's and I was like, well, I, I, I sent <laughs> it. No, that's. That, but it's the last line. I don't get the living. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. It doesn't occur. To, it does not often occur <laughs> to me. But he's actually. He, it's tongue in cheek, but he's also kind of serious. He's like, cause he's that's so. That's why it's funny. He's so confident in himself, yeah, but it's yeah. like it's just not opposite. It. He must have had a smile at the laptop as he wrote that. He's like that'll work, like you know. Yeah. Um. So it's a great piece, and the the stuff about Gilroy, like um, it really is the, the blitz rig I think is, is is apt as well because where have Dublin been for the last two or three years we didn't know and then we did in 10 minutes against Mayo where it's like this is football played at it's absolute best and then maybe that brings us to the whole football debate Lena, because football in terms of what what Clifford did with that outrageous bit of skill what Dublin yeah. did in the first 15 minutes um, even, even the Derry goal against Cork there's some brilliant moments but a lot of it is utterly soporific at the moment and that's the problem and I don't know where we're at but again approaching some of the articles Yeah, today.
2: but like a few of them have it. Just before we leave the interview, yeah. Tommy Connan is side by side with them, and he's basically saying the same thing as well. It's Kerry in Dublin. Yeah. And he's not saying that as an insult to Monaghan and he points that out. He's, he actually says, you know, do you remember that? He says, do managers still cut offending articles out on newspapers and stick them up in the dressing room wall for motivation? Vinnie, Car- Vinnie Corrie, the Farnie gaffer, comes across way too rational for that kind of crack. Now it was Banty though, <laughs> yeah, But yeah. then he says, anyway, I go up to Clone. And pin it on the wall myself if I thought it would t- improve their chances one whit. Who wouldn't want to see the rank outsiders pull off the shock? Who wouldn't see want to see a side of such consistent courage carve their names? Who wouldn't to see them? Who wouldn't want to see Man and get the ultimate benediction of an All Ireland final appearance? But he's been he's saying in his opinion it's going to be Kerry and Dublin. That's the thing. The, the, but the, the quality of the football obviously has, the, has well, taken a bit of a hiding is, in recent this weeks. This is the debate
1: cleaner, right? Yeah, so it's like yeah. if a sport can't evolve naturally without rule changes you kind of have to slightly question the sport and like say soccer is, as we call it for uh, the time being and um, brought in that you couldn't pass the ball back to the goalkeeper now I remember being told that in Shiven Rovers training at an under 13 and that was the first I heard was like you can't actually pass back to the goalie there so I was what like this would have been 1990 yeah three would that be right 1992 give or take anyway so was, that's interesting can you imagine if that rule weren't brought in it makes perfect sense we watch look back in Italian 90 a lot of it is rubbish like yeah. it really is but football now if 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 watching sport like sport is a great escape but if watching sport makes you think about your own life in the middle of the game it's not working <laughs> anymore an that's a problem it's, a it's, it's doing exactly <laughs> what it shouldn't because like Jesus are these, Christ are these good thoughts or bad thoughts like well this is it like you know um, often a bit of a mix but it's like if if the ball has been pass forward and back and Eamon Sweeney gets to this um the 32.
2: What those three minutes of Derry I mean last week, Which so will we go down cork cork as the,
1: the worst sustained spell of football ever witnessed in Cork <laughs> Park. Yet we should praise Derry and Cork rather than bury them. They did football some service last Sunday. Their huffing and puffing demolished the flimsy argument, leaving the game as it is. Now he's sort of, of holding that game up as it'll be remembered. As in a deer. like did yeah. you watch Cork and Derry and, in
2: 2023, and and Blan does as well as yes, well. Yeah, yeah, clean
1: it. Okay, do you do you want to say to Monaghan? And do you want to say to Monaghan and Derry's really... Like, these guys who are the coaches at the coalface of Gaelic football now, they're way more intelligent than I am. They know exactly what they're doing. If you were to tell um, Corey that... Curry that you should like go toe-to-toe the next day against Dublin or that Derry should basically go toe-to-toe against Dublin and expect to win the game. Absolutely not. They have to play defensively. Of course not. So this is the problem.
2: But the argument argument last week was that two teams were doing exactly the same thing and it was absolutely so boring. It was difficult to watch. They felt it was the best
1: way to win. But Martin Brenny wrote about this in the end during the week and it was kind of like the line that they took out the day before to promote the piece was, was interesting. Would you bring a neutral? to a Gaelic football game. And I was like,
2: Yes, you I'm would. Sure I would depending well, on well, game. well, yes, you would if it was the f- it was the first half of the other game last week, which oh, yeah. was sensational and which had loads of football. I I, I was tweeting at the time saying, "God, it's incredible what you do if you actually kick a football." football you know, side but would be but the second half of that was was that game wasn't mm. great either. So, like you, yeah, I would. You can tweak the rules, and why not? We've what been, what do you oh, do? we always talk about this. For me, you can't bring the ball back over the halfway line once it goes over. That'd be that's yeah. the simplest, simple played thing you could do. I think. I think the hand pass thing, you know. Stopping them after a certain number, they can't get the ordinary rules. Yeah, I well, think they struggled with, you know, trying to do that. But I do think that. bring don't bring the ball back over the halfway line. Y- That's you're start. you're,
1: you're, you're, st- you're starting full forwards can't leave the opposition half, right? So say if you brought the two of them in, if we if I lose the ball, if I go into the opposition half, I can't come back out. Yet there are three defenders, Mark and uh, David Clifford and Al back here. Yeah. So <laughs> that that puts me in big stuck here. So just those two little tweaks, but I do wonder. Like I do think as much as the GA is an amazing amazing organisation. I think it's really really struggling with this because football is still an amazing game played well but it doesn't seem to be very watched well, like, a lot of the time now.
2: Well, yeah and you get rid of the forward mark obviously as well because that's a nonsense mm. and that really does take a lot of good attack and play out of the game I think it's just killing the game. Look the point is 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 you're like your point is do you have to keep changing the game to make it better? Yeah I think that's okay but don't be overly changing it. there's a lot of things they did that I think were rubbish mm. you know. Ru- so what I, would I you don't know do that though? makes sense?
0: I don't know I can see <laughs> daun- I can de- see downsides to almost every suggestion yeah, that's,
2: there's always an up and, like and down like even
0: you're when I see where you're coming from but yeah. then my fear is if a team knows that you can't go back into your own half then it's 15 behind the ball and
1: then you're exactly but but that's you're for the it's potential not if your three, three full happen. forward line can't. Run. Run. you so can't
2: now, bring them back you have so to make it, it would
1: probably happen, just yeah. by, by just those two things would probably just make it a more sort of traditional game like Pat's, mm-hmm. Pat Spillane writes about it For the, this is a very typical Pat Spillane uh, for the first time I will begin my column with a reference to the book of Revelation Good. <laughs> book <laughs> to find the apocalypse as uh, complete and final destruction of the world, which may be pending, in Gaelic football and otherwise. What happened in the Roscommon Dublin game was the first warning, and that was Dublin keeping the ball. And remember how close Roscommon pushed Dublin. Yeah. The end did justify the means did, yeah. for Davey Burke, um, but it's not watchable. So he says, I mean, we'll round off this chat, because I know we've talked about it a few times in the review,
0: and I want to get to this Hill 16 piece, which is interesting, but he said um, he watched Mon Armagh. he hated that, and then he finally reached breaking point watching Derry Cork. So he and Eamon Sweeney were of a similar uh, situation of mind. He says, Pat Spillane, I consider myself a mild-mannered individual but after the first three minutes... I, I said that I w- <laughs> with
1: a bit of variety, <laughs> <as well>. like, <laughs> I wanted
0: to drive my uh, boot through the screen. This is not football. It's a new sport called keep ball. So the same criticism. 55 hand passes in three
1: minutes. 34 of which went sideways or backwards. To, yeah, what about this though, part, Joel? Yeah. Take Cork. I mean, if this is true and I have no reason yeah. to say it isn't. In the first 17 minutes they had 80% of the possession but they scored one point. Yeah, they only, they only, had, <laughs> th- they only had 3 points points by the half-hour mark. crazy. You know? I was
2: watching it and I, and I watched that first three minutes and thought, somebody, would somebody kick? Eventually, they kicked the ball and it was wide. Eamon um, and and Sweeney gets upset about it because he, he lives in West Cork and he's mm. watching a lot of those players and he's, his point he's making is they're actually really good footballers. They can kick points, they can loot opponents, they can do all those things. He's also seen their manager, John Cleary, saying sending out teams to play in the best adventurous uh, traditions of the game. But now, they're being ground down by the murder machine of modern inter-county football. But he did did have one line to crack me up but he's saying also oh, some of the analysis is is sort Intriguing. of praising this kind of mm. you know keep all thing and he's just cracking me up accentuating the positive in such circumstances can make you sound silly Paul Flynn's constant declarations in the Mayo Lao game that the home team had a great opportunity to work it out to the sides then back into the middle and then off the shoulder made him sound like a Peter Mark stylist gun rogue <laughs> but like it is unbelievably frustrating and I often think as well like it must be frustrating for players as well. You know th- that 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 we're building such a system now and it's in the women's game as well. You know because where you know, it takes out the flair from the th- game. Th- the
1: other thing is like so like I I'm not slightly I'm not quite as down it as other people in that like the the the, the Monaghan, our mag game for me is so tight and so compelling that you're looking for this little gap to happen. We, wa- I've watched great nil all draws in football, like great nil all draws where I've like I've like, absolutely mesmerised by it. Yeah. A one nil game in soccer can be amazing. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like soccer is that much different and Joe Brawley speaks about this a lot where it has become uh, the custom now in Gaelic football games for much of it just for the crowd to be having a conversation and I completely noticed that you'd hear it in the crowd where like there's no atmosphere because the ball has been passed over and back but like in football a lot of a lot of like modern football as far as um, what I'm 40 now a lot of watching football there might be a goal here or there in 90 minutes so it's not like we can't be mesmerised by sport but Absolutely
2: not, not and great tactics and I, I've mm. often come, up, uh, come out out of a, a J match and said, Oh my god, that was brilliant. People said, Are you mad? You know, there wasn't enough score when I've gone. No, no, but it was incredibly interesting tactic. As long as it's but close. 30, 30 hand passes mm. over three minutes, mm. not for you. That's not football. I'm sorry, mm. it's basketball, okay. and okay. I love basketball. Okay, <laughs> it's not okay, it's not
1: football. The biggest worry i have, Joe. Actually, sorry, just on the end of this, the, the biggest worry I have if the two semi finals are absolute, yeah, like massacres, and say that the spreads from the bookies are three and six, so yeah. that's but if they are. We football might be boring for some people, but if it's a close game, it's a close game. If 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 we have a situation where Toronto are absolutely massacred by Kerry and Dublin, Derry, yeah. sorry, by Derry, and 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 you see what Dublin did last weekend, that's not watchable either. Like that, the last twenty minutes of that game is not watchable either. Mm. That's a worry for me in that the the elite are so good. Well, we'll come back to
0: it, I suspect. We'll take a very short break. Kleena Foley and Johnny Ward are staying with us. We're coming next to uh, Mick Foley's piece on the future of Hill 16. Now then, you're very welcome back. So we have Kleena Foley and Johnny Ward uh, taking us through the Sunday papers. Mick Foley is an interesting uh, piece on page 16 of the Sunday Times. It's not page 16, excuse me. Do you have the Sunday, Sunday Times
1: cleaner. I mean, we're we're, we're, Sunday we're Times. S- Oh I have it here. Sorry,
0: I'll give you the gist here. So there was trouble, obviously. At the it's on page five. Don't know where I got page 16 from. At, there we on go. the hill last weekend between Arma and Monaghan supporters, um, uh, a fight, I guess. Um, Now, I don't think it's um, been the most horrific thing you've ever seen, but there were seven people arrested and another 16 ejected from the ground. And Peter McKenna, who's the stadium director, said to Mick Foley, the message to supporters really is they have to self-regulate. A lot of the supporters that go to Hill 16 are usually sensible. The crowd getting regulated by itself is by far the best way to deal with trouble and that's how it's worked over the last 20 years or so so um, it's just a really interesting piece I mean he goes through it's had its moments 1984 there was a Tyrone Dublin match and Tyrone warmed up uh, a precursor to Mayo in 06 they were war- yeah. warmed up in warmed front of the hill and it all kicked off on the hill that time around and then back in the uh, late 90s it was interesting that um, there were concerns over safety. There was a Phil Scratton who had written a book about Hillsborough. He did an assessment of the hill and felt it was not up to scratch at all and talked about a steep grass bank behind the terrace with few stairwells uh, deemed a potential disaster zone. And It looked at that stage like the hill might go and obviously that was very much the mood in Premier League grounds as well around then. But uh, 1999, this is pretty funny, uh, on board Planola ordered the demolition of the hill and so the 99 Leinster final Dublin fans put up a poster saying save our hill <laughs> and then at the All-Ireland semi-final Mead played our mat, and the Mead fans <laughs> held up a sign saying demolish the hill <laughs> so what changed? And uh, actually
2: one of the one of the things Joe, is and it used to be such a brilliant f- a feature of games at Crow Park was when people used to bring in big banners and things and then there. with the safety Can't you see, see they had to take away all the hand, the poles yeah, and all yeah. the rest and all that went out the window I'd say
0: people whose view was blocked. <laughs> you thrilled, by the way. Put down the bloody... <laughs> funny Rid of the flag. I want to watch the game. But anyway, what happened was in 03, the GAA managed to conv- convince on board Planola that their new design would be a safe, modern terrace very far removed from the crumbling relics and death pens of the 80s. So in the 20 years since any calls for permanent seating have pretty much disappeared and that's true you never hear anyone saying that about the hill. Uh, The current hill was finished in 2004. Roll on another 19 years and there are no plans to shift a single pebble. The concrete has a 50 year guarantee and the steel gets stress tested regularly and hasn't shown an ounce of weakness and interestingly as stadia across the globe drift cautiously back towards safe standing The Hill might even be about to become on trend again. But, and this is the point as of last week, there is always risk. And even if most of the crowd standing on the Hill pass their time at a game like any normal spectator, any place packed with people is always... uh, a couple of wrong moves from disaster. If that happens, the hill is gone. McKenna said, it doesn't take many troublemakers to take that away. And Mick Foley concludes by saying, everybody has a stake in ensuring it never comes to that. And I think there is great affection for the hill and people love safe standing. And I think we're seeing in recent years, safe standing is definitely very possible. So uh, you hope what happened between Arma and Monaghan remains what I think most people see it as, which is like minority of minorities. It was
2: pretty much unprecedented, though. I have never seen anything like that. At, or certainly
0: know. in it the w- pre-mobile pre- Yeah, phones. in recent years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was
2: very unusual. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: It, was great. it was horrible to see it, wasn't it? Yeah. You thought, come on, don't be at this in GAA of all places. You know, it's one of the great traditions. Everybody sits side by side.
2: Yeah,
1: they, you can't bring these lads down from Ulster, you know, they're mad like you know. Um, that is a joke for the record. <laughs> um I, I do <laughs> think people from, there, I do think people from Monaghan are mad probably felt a bit of this like, you know, <laughs> us lads down in Dublin talking about the lads coming down and kind of resenting it a bit because I think that I almost think like the likes of Monaghan are driven by the fact that they are um they're a county that just punches above its weight so often and it's
2: patronised. The border the counties time.
1: not literally not literally though. N- not literally, but um it's a it's I think McFoley I love him as as a writer, um, I was just saying to Cleaner when Mick brought out the book on um, on Bloody Sunday, Sunday wasn't yeah. it? Yeah,
2: yeah. brilliant And
1: I, I was minded of, I think it was in Dublin Castle, Mick was doing a talk on the book and he spoke about, and he like so vividly described Bloody Sunday that day, and kind of that brought me back to that because this piece is obviously about the hill, which is an, an absolute anachronism, let's be honest. If you brought somebody from, that goes to sport, moder- in mod- modern sport, and he, he or she looked at the hill, they're like, do they not finish it? What, what's that do Well, he,
0: he does quote John Inverdale in yeah. uh, commentary a couple of years ago and, you know, and, and Inverdale basically, I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but he said, uh, you know, the, the, this was when the rugby must have been there. He said, now the next step for Crow Park will be to replace Hill 16 and then in this is a bit patronising mm. in keeping with a country a in never. keeping with a country accelerating through the Premier League of Europe it would be it would have arguably one of the finest grounds in the continent so he was very much of a why
1: didn't they finish, finish it, it. <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was watching the other night uh, there was an, an, a bit of an act about Flann O'Brien where he's like a man becomes part bicycle like when he's on a bike so long and when you're standing at a game you're, it's like I've always found this on the terraces when you're standing you're almost like an extension of the action. You're part of. It. You're participating. When you sit down, you're a spectator. That's right. And I've always yeah. felt that. And uh, I actually can't remember when I was last on the hill, but like I, I was always, um, I always loved standing at games. And um, there's no doubt it's a far better atmosphere. Um, when people stand, and I think the, you can see it in the German grounds with the safe standing like that. It, it just creates a better atmosphere. And I'm glad that, um, you see the, like Hillsborough was so so catastrophic, but that. Hillsborough wasn't a- alone down to um, terraces it was a complete there was so much more going on and that sort of changed everything in Britain such that the atmosphere at British grounds isn't that great now a lot of people are you know everyone is sitting down a lot of day trippers and all that and I I would stand by the hill um, all day long and I, I think it's a lovely piece from Mick and he goes into the kind of the the history of it, and even you know, things change. Remember, my father was telling me, like, Galway and Limerick 1980, I think it was that game, they were sitting on the wall at the back of the hill, sitting on it. Like, so if oh you gosh. fell down, you were falling like about oh, two phenomenal kilometers. Phenomenal photos, right? like people sitting on the roof of the Hogan it's Phenomenal
2: and yeah. photos, and yeah, they're amazing see, when you see them. He, he, never he, happened there. that
1: that 84 game. Like, you see, um. One of the uh, one of the players here. I don't think the player name, named, but w- like one of the players, you, you can see that he has a physique that would certainly not um, wouldn't be consistent with inter county footballers of nowadays. So things change, and you know the the hill has changed for the better. Yeah. And I, for one, um, hope that unlike those Mead supporters imploring in uh, <laughs> 1999, they never demolished And you world. can see
0: we have got um, the Camogie Quarter Final at the moment. Cork in control, two eight to Kenny's one seven. You can see. I mean, it looks it's it, it's it's it hasn't filled. Up yet, so you can see the steel railings. You can see there's only two, three, four steps, and then another steel railing. So, like any kind of crush is is, is safeguarded against, it's very safe. And in this increasingly homogenized world where everything just feels the same and every stadium feels the same, yeah, it, it does make it unique. unique games. To have this unique, yeah they, ha- yeah, they haven't finished it. We could have finished it. Yeah. Yeah. We've elected to have, like it, gives it a, a school
2: by end in Lansdowne Road years ago was exactly the same yeah, for up international. used does, to go in does, and you'd um, all be in together, it was brilliant
0: both on TV and when you're there. It gives the, per- the stadium such personality there yeah, yeah, and yeah. say
1: now, like, so you, you get seats in, like, I was in the Hogan yesterday, so you you know who you're sitting at, whatever. In 1998, um we started, like, uh, the Montbelly School in the Tech, we started organising, it wasn't me now, we started organising buses to the games. It was almost as if Galway in 1998, because we were in Carrick and Shannon, and we went to Castlebar for the first game. It was almost as if there was, even though Galway hadn't won all Ireland since 66, uh, there was almost this expectation this actually could happen for us yeah. this year, so but but we went along, and I'll never forget like, um, being on the canal end in the 98 final. And Mairead Meehan was beside me, the late Mairead Meehan from that unbelievable Meehan family from Caltrans, one of the most beautiful people, passed way too soon. And I remember, and maybe my memory is kind of exaggerated the story with time, but I remember. I started a chant at, in the second half, like "Galway, go Galway." Go One of these things. And Ray goes, Geez, fair play to Johnny. We need a chant. We need to get the lads going in the second half." But you, you went immediately where all your friends were. So everyone was in. Like I looked around, there was Mourad Me and there was people from Montpellier, from Ballygar, from Newbridge. We were all there, even though I was 15 years of age in this like concrete jungle that was just so amazingly atmospheric. And I'll never forget that that vibe of being in this mystique of being in Crow Park at the Canal in full of yeah. Galway fans and the noise and being beside your friends because now you're just like you're somewhere in the ground in and a seat.
0: Yeah. Did it take you long to come up with the chant or
1: It was <laughs> it, it, i think it had been fifteen years in the way um, And it went go all away. Go away. No, way, it's very go good. It's very and good. it went on and on and on. And then at the end of the game I went on the pitch and I took some of the the grounds, and I put it into this little plastic kind of container, and I brought it home. And I told my school principal, and he's like, "You've you, you've actually committed a crime there. You desecrated, like, that's, you've desecrated That's disgraceful." And for I'd say three <laughs> or four years, I remember doing my leaving cert <laughs> in two or three years later, and that turf was still on the window from Crow Park
0: can we just because um, we we've about um, seven, eight minutes before we have taken ad break so I don't want to start something too in depth but I think John Green's uh, piece is very interesting and it's a short piece you'd blink and you'd miss it on the left hand side of the Sunday Independent page 14 uh, basically and, the, you know, this is really important in, in a real way, as opposed to all the stuff we often get caught up in. So there's uh, a sports capital programme. There's a new, route, there's a new round of funding happening. Mm. And so the Minister, Thomas Byrne, is talking here. And basically, it's, it's highlighting, I think, what we've all said down the years and what we all know. But it's that football, soccer. I call it football, sorry. Soccer in this country, it's football and gah in my house. That was what we played, football and gah. But soccer is underrepresented when it comes to not just the money handed out, but also in the applications. So in this round of funding, the government is going to hand over 150 million to any uh, project around the country. And so Minister of State for Sport, Thomas Byrne, is making the point soccer clubs need to apply. And uh, some of the stats here are amazing. So yes, here's the point. This sums it up. You take the last three rounds of funding, and so there's 150 million up for grabs this time around, so we're presuming it's close to half a billion if you're adding up the last three rounds. If you take the last three rounds, the GAA has put its hand out, I don't know if it's got it all, but it looked for almost 200 million. So the GAA went and said, we want 200 million across these three rounds. Soccer put the hand out for 73 million. That's what they actually applied for said Thomas Byrne. And so he wants to get the message out and we're talking about working class areas who might not be as um, in the habit of engaging in these kind of uh, funding programs to get organised and the FAI are trying to push it as well and to say apply for the money and i'm sure the government have to go and meet them halfway but um it's stark you know i i think johnny and you've talked about this issue down the years about the lack of funding for what is such a you know a, a core sport in this country there is no doubt it's under supported and yet there's also this, this unfortunate sense it hasn't put its hand up and, itself. And,
2: and that is and that is about, bec- I often say, that is because it's nearly a lack of education and how to apply for funds. Like people, you need people who are really good at this kind of stuff. You know, that's yeah. why we saw there there have been big question marks over it. That's why you do see sometimes, you know, funding going to sports and you go, how did they get that big well, lump of money? And I think ago, they're really yeah. good. Uh, they know what they're at and they, they've got people who are really good at filling out well, forms. Uh,
0: to that point, I know? remember a couple of years ago M- it, it It blew up because in Shane hockey. Ross's constituency, hockey.
2: Exactly, the, hockey. Exactly. the hockey pitch. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking of. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. I, and and, and, well, um, and remember the point yeah, made, Well, yeah.
0: professional classes in that era, yes. area,
1: they know how they to maneuver and work this. the system. Greater yeah. yeah. transparency yeah. around the program. Um, this is just in the general scheme of things including a simplified marking scheme and an appeals process has reduced criticism of political interference in the awarding of grants Uh, last year every valid application received something and 108 out of 146 appeals against applications being ruled invalid were also successful I think this is a great piece by John Green I think like we can you know sports in newspapers right now is in a place of real crooks because match reports are all online after the game you have to come up with fresh stuff that people can read and like talk about in shows like this this is a great piece and it, it strikes us like my local club at home that I mentioned Shiv Rovers we, we have a great facility um, John Delaney came he probably I don't know did he open the ground but he came back to the bar afterwards the local ground Was there ground. a giant check for the film? Um, I'm not sure exactly what happened but I think our club knew how to play the game and yeah. our club knew I'm they got saying. great facilities and um, Shiver Rovers is a brilliant example of a rural club that's done yeah. very well and but even isn't play the games the wrong term like it's just yeah, to look out for yourself th- and yeah. The, yeah exactly and, and, and to
2: know how to do it
1: but I, I think like the, the problem with football in this country was that um, it was dysfunctional and it's been dysfunctional for so long that clubs probably didn't really know what to do and like if you have the old FAI from the top down the way it was run and you know we, we felt it was okay to just send all our best kids to England and just get rid of them and never work in facilities and always like live off night. It's, you know, football was, was just in a place where it, it's a lot of insecurities and a lot of kind of um, not really knowing what to do and almost feeling that we were second rate as well in the sense of like the League of Ireland, our professional league, wasn't great. Um, you know, not many people really go to watch fo- soccer or football or soccer games week to week at non-league level compared to Gaelic games. It's not as rooted in a lot of communities. And I'd hope we're emerging from that kind of shadow now.
2: And one of the points John makes in this as well is that one of the requirements in the these funding things as well is that anybody seeking a this grant a thing, yeah. has to make sure that the grants then are equally available to male and female, and that's and and oh, we yes. know this is a breaking point or an argument, a big problem in the GA is because it's just difficult for women to get access sometimes because there's such a you know, traditionally men were there first and men. And, and there's such a huge number and volume of them yeah. but mm. part of this thing is they must cert- they must make sure that all of the facilities are equally available you, to and women that's a f- massive thing yeah
0: it is you, you can't, can't get, get it, it, it your dressing it. room and build it but it's male only dressing yeah. room you're yeah. not getting that yeah. money yeah. yeah makes perfect sense yeah. maybe
1: they maybe they should bring stuff in the GA where like and you know uh, this is the one thing that's the one thing I don't like about the success of that, that the one thing I'll take away from the likes of Monaghan in football or Kilkenny uh, in Hurland where are hurlers in and where are your footballers in Kilkenny? Because like hurling is the one sport that really, really needs to like finally get proper cross country representation. It hasn't, and this is the one thing that the GS still just haven't they haven't knacked that. How do we actually sort this out where we get like these sports played at every level um across the country because Kilkenny are great at hurling but show me your footballers lads. Like what do you contribute to that game? Yeah, whereas in Galway <laughs> we'd like to think that we're good at both oh, you until listen.
0: the second half of yesterday <laughs> um, not too much time to get into it it's worth mentioning the Sunday Business Post um, profiles the new uh, Saudi league which is
2: yeah I thought that was an interesting piece yeah, yeah. taking
0: Stephen Gerrard so it's we, have to, of, we have to we have to half three York no we do but uh, no, we'll, we'll, start, we'll talk yeah. beer of pow afterwards and a yeah, few other so stories afterwards I just have to go to an ad break for news yeah. very shortly but um, you know it's taken Benzema and Ronaldo and Firmino and Kante and now Steven Gerrard. And, uh, it's, it's wondering, China tried this and failed. Is, yeah. is Saudi going to do a touch better? And John Aldridge in the Sunday World, he's basically saying, look, does Saudi Arabia have questions to answer? It sure does. Does Tory Britain have questions to answer over its immigration policies and lots of other issues? Yes, it does. Should we be on our high horse? I'm not so sure we should. And... Why would you begrudge these players going and topping up their pensions as rich as they all are? Uh, Would you move to Saudi Arabia for four times your wage, he asks.
1: I I was saying this during the week on on, um, on OTBM, and you can take... uh Aldo out of Liverpool but you can't take the scouts out of Aldo and that stuff he's saying there about the, the, the Tory government and like there, we, we have massive, massive issues in the West and having just we're totally wrapped up in the Western narrative where like we're great and like but like what about you know what, what did Britain and all these great European countries do to Africa down the years in terms of the imperial project and um, you know what what happened in Afghanistan was that, was that fine you know just murdering innocent people what happened in Iraq so like a lot of people in Britain oh Saudi Arabia is terrible we're great so it's not a simple as that but at the same time I mean how can you not like at a time when like and I I don't want to go over this again, but at a time when, like, the climate is literally unravelling and collapsing because of oil, because of fossil fuels, you have... It's almost like a sick joke that Saudi Arabia is now trying to flex its muscles because, effectively, you have a bored dictator in Mohammed bin Salman who wants to do stuff like create a sport in Saudi Arabia, a country where it's, like, regularly... It's not fit for humans at the moment. It's, like, 45 degrees every day of the week. How do you play football there? And at the same time, now you have people going over for money. And uh, I find it quite sickening, um, but... You know, it is what it is, and Saudi Arabia nearly took over Galway United, um, so it could have happened in Ireland, and uh, it doesn't seem to show any sign of stopping, and it's pretty sad. Ironically, their spend is to prepare for a
0: post-oil world, which they. Yeah. which may not exist on the horizon yeah,
2: yeah. the is it's a good piece I thought it was an interesting piece the Sunday Business Post traditionally never did sport and now in, under its new ownership and that it does two pages of sport every even week. give
1: me an odd article yeah. nowadays. <laughs> yeah. it's a great development actually it's But great. Um,
2: I yeah. actually like to see it because so much of sport is about business I've always argued that they should have covered it this is a piece for Richard Fitzpatrick and what he's saying is that there's nothing stopping the Middle East from becoming a global sports powerhouse but he's saying if you look at China he also cites the way that India you know, really monetized and and has has been so successful with cricket. I was amazed um, at the numbers yeah, in that. Yeah, um, and so that's what he's saying. He's saying it doesn't always work. Yeah you know um, it's interesting that in China it didn't work with football um, but you know like, look at it, it they have such massive resources but like it does give that good example of the Indian Premier League which is so massive like it's it's run off so fast it's like a sprint and see that's exactly what he calls it they do it between March um, and May and this year for example the the final the live streaming was 32 million um, it earns approximately 13.4 million dollars a game
0: that blew my mind actually yeah, I'm, volume, a, I'm aware of the volume but yeah. So on, is huge. he says only American football commands more media rights yeah. per match. So yeah. for when if you're looking over at the Indian Premier League, yeah. they're making 13 million a match. 32 million streaming the final was a world record.
2: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: uh, the Saudi Pro League for context, it's about
1: 50 something in like the global. Where's our where's the Irish league? Do you know? Uh, I well like in terms of Europe, I think we're sort of 33 or 4. Okay. It's not not bad, it's yeah. improved. Well,
0: Saudi is 50 in the global power is, ranking, so the the Japanese J1 league, for example, is about 20. So that's kind of your the, your benchmark.
1: It was Richard Fitzpatrick that wrote the piece, and this stuff, I mean, like, we, we'll we have to come back and talk about the Premier League uh, soon and talk about how the great football is, but you can't escape from, you know, the prevailing sort of narrative of where the clubs are going. I, I thought this was interesting as well. Um, and he speaks about Live Golf, obviously he says, in football there are seg- se- several regulatory questions that have to be answered. The new ownership model of the Saudi Pro League's top teams contravenes both FIFA and Asian football's governing bodies, rules about the same owner controlling multiple yeah, clubs in multiple the same clubs. competition. PIF, um, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, invests in several private equity firms, including Clear Lake Capital, as well as managing billions of dollars of assets for the Gulf State, Clear Lake owns Chelsea. Last month Chelsea offloaded several players to the Saudi Pro League, uh, Koulibaly and Mendy. Uh, the London club struggles to meet financial fair play regulations for next season. Hakan ZH's move collapsed at the last minute because of a failed medical. Do these deals mark a coincidence marked by close ties, or is it a conflict of interest?
0: We did a piece in that Matt Slater he'll, he'll explain why he thinks it is a coincidence but uh, you're not the first person to say mm. well would it be against Saudi interest to keep Clear Lake's Clear Lake investment in, in Chelsea of, of value we've um, got to take a short break we have a few more pieces to get to we'll do so on the uh, far side of news headlines the latest in the Camogie quarterfinal it's after tightening up just a goal in at Cork two twelve. Kilkenny one twelve. 12 so three points between Cork and Kilkenny 50 minutes on the clock that's an All-Ireland Camogie quarterfinal Welcome back, (laughs) welcome back, welcome back. We're going through the Sunday papers. Very happy to say, Cliena Foley and Johnny Ward here in studio. Uh, We've talked uh, lots of GEA, a bit of Saudi Arabian football. We've talked uh, sports funding. Uh, We should touch on the fact, and it's uh, across the papers, that the Republic of Ireland are about to embark on a World Cup. It's been a complicated week for Vera Pau in that the Athletic Uh, spoke to four players, three coaches from her time at Houston and so this was um, along similar lines to what was said in the uh, report which was published by the uh, Women's National League in America back in December. So on the Thursday press conference... Wednesday press conference, excuse me, the night before the yeah, match before on the, the Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the guts of it was Vera Powell taking questions for maybe 30 minutes about the nature of that report. Katie McCabe showed her uh, unhappiness with, uh, you know, the fact that this was their uh, farewell game on Irish shores and it, the press conference was dictated by um, these questions. She was asked as well, should uh, Pau stay on? Because the contract talks seem to have stalled and she... Uh, responded with that's not my job to um, be deciding that so that was the kind of sense Vera Powell once again defended herself uh, bullishly Uh, couldn't have couldn't have shot down the allegations with more fervour I think it's fair to say and uh, not surprisingly Sunday Papers are are reflecting on on where we are we have um, a profile piece the Business Post does great profile pieces and quite often sports people feature so they've just a profile piece of her um, exceptional career you'd have to say really as player and manager Shane Keane's writing about it Shane McGrath's writing about it in the mail so yeah, uh, it's I'm, I'm yeah. curious what's what's striking you about the coverage of this um situation
2: Well I well first of all I think it's only natural there should be there should be big profiles of Irish soccer this weekend but I would prefer Is it soccer
1: or football? Are we going to get I to call the, it soccer
2: Yeah i it. not it. Yeah. I'd always Joe, call it you're soccer going,
0: we go, I'm, I'm quite happy to call it soccer <laughs> Okay we go soccer
2: for the next <laughs> half an hour. Um, Now on it's soccer So um, so that's there should be profiles unfortunately they're all on Vera Power, which is a pity but it, this is how this is the nature of how this thing has unfolded and you'd have to be under a rock not to know what has happened if you like uh, in the past uh, you know that there was a, that that she was included in a report in America unfortunately. Fairly, in my opinion um, and now um, more, Can more that? I, I can't get it here. Tina
1: I cannot get the hype about this at all and and Shane Shane Mcgrath was into it sorry you say unfairly can you explain that cuz I, I
2: because if you look at that report sorry, what i mean by that is that if you look I completely at... i, I read you, by every way. page of that report right? right and so there were people in that report who were accused of you know physical uh, sexual all kinds of abusive players i felt that the stuff relating to pow and there were several other people were not at that level at all so the I, mo- I thought the most were, notable it was aspects. incorrect to be in that i'm one
1: clean saying that right so this is shane mcgrath and we're going between articles here. The most, yeah. the most notable aspect of the athletic article were two allegations of abuse turning physical. One case allegedly involved Powell grabbing a staff member around the neck and shoving uh, them. Um, but which Powell said was a case for restraining someone by placing a hand on their shoulder. The second allegedly saw Powell pull a player by the arm as they tried to resume a running drill the coach was unhappy with. What sorry? What, what am I missing here? What this is this even worthy of paper? Like,
2: do <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Yeah, so she's exactly. a really
1: hot, like, and and a fascinating thing as well. She was one of triplets with two 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 lads and Vera, mm. um, and her dad is writing to the Dutch FA and he's saying. We cannot cope with this little girl anymore, she's 12, she just wants 13. to play football, so they changed the rules such that she she uh, could play with adult sides because she was too young. Can you imagine young Vera Powell with two football playing brothers who are uh, the 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 other two thirds of the triplets and what she's risen to with all her coaching career as you mentioned, Joe? And all of this, I I don't get it at all. I think it's absolute nonsense. But m- I'm not writing the articles
2: But what are you saying? You're saying that the complaints what has she done? from you're you're saying the complaints from people in America are nonsense. It's it's rubbish. Like okay. from what you're
1: you're a, you're a hardline coach. She's she's tough. She's granite. She's really really hard. Yeah. Get on with it. Like I, I don't get it at all. And I do feel sorry for Katie McCabe, who admits we have our ups and downs relationship. And um, you know we we talk to each other and whatever. But like I do feel sorry for Katie McCabe. I don't get this at all. And I don't know why the FBI is allegedly. Stalling on the deal. Maybe there's more to it than that, but I don't know. Look, I I I think you're actually. I think you're in the majority. Mm.
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but, it, but, but I don't know I think Vera the fact, at all. Like, I think so the fact that the FAI didn't deal with it adequately when initially happened, I think you made this point during the week, Joe, that if they had at the time said, OK, this report has come out that she had uh, you know, abused in some way some players that she was managing in America, let's now do um, a, a, a survey of our players, let them be anonymous. If anybody has a problem with Vera Powell, mm. let's find out now. Mm. And they didn't do that at the time. And mm. I think if they had done that at the time put it to bed then then this wouldn't be interrupting the World Cup preparations that's the issue I have with it That my, that's my issue look at you know uh, these are all features about Powell and herself like if anybody wants to know what sort of person she is I I, I interviewed her and I don't know her well at all Um, but, but, what, I, but it? what I've made of her several times and I've, and I've seen her at uh, talks and things I've be very struck by a couple of things. One is she's totally driven. Two, she's extraordinarily high standards. Three, she may not be patient with some people who don't match her, her things. She's obsessive about injuries in women's sport, the lack of sports science, ACL injuries. Some of the complaints in, in that original thing that came from America was she won't let us train, actually came out again in this athletics report, she wouldn't let us do more, more training. We wanted to train harder, she wouldn't let us. That's because she's obsessively... Uh, just totally freaked out about about ACL injuries in women's sport and how to stop them. So she has particular methods that she uses. She's not one to broke her argument in terms of she, if if she believes the science, her version of that science is right. She goes with it. But if you want to know how driven this woman is, uh, and I, I happened to interview her in the past year about lifestyle because she was promoting um, exercise for older women. This woman, her favourite thing to do is to cycle up the Tour tourmalet and uh, the biggest uh, the biggest climbs in the Tour de France. She cycles... I 80, gotta meet Vera. She cycles 70, 80 kilometres every day of the week. When she worked in Russia for a year, I even meet though Vera. it was minus 20 degrees, she went out and cycled. Like, she's obsessive about things. And she's the first person to say, I'm obsessive. But I I haven't seen personally... I, I thought she'd handled the Tyler Toland incident badly. Uh, she spoke publicly about a player in public, and I don't think that's the right thing to do but i haven't heard anything or seen anything um i think there might be one irish player who you know would feel that she hasn't been dealt with that fairly but in terms of nice. everything else elite sport does demand things. Now there is an argument that people say if men do things you know if, if male managers do things badly that doesn't mean that female managers should do things badly either and I think that's a fair point but I think also there is a resilience to expect of players at an international level that you can be like Kate McGabe and say yeah we have arguments we have arguments all the time because I don't agree with this and I put it up to her and she takes it back.
1: Hmm. Brian but Clough I think, was put on an absolute pedestal right rightly uh, or wrongly he yeah. was flawed. Brian Clough famously boxed Roy somebody. Keane in the <laughs> face Right <laughs> Now, I think Brian Clough was partly, like, on the way out at that stage. And Roy Keane was young. And Roy Keane, like... And that's gone down in legend, right? of Powell grabs someone by the arm and we we're supposed to write a report about it. Sorry, I don't get it.
2: But I think if the FAI had well, dealt with all this at the time, I think, yeah. they, I think they needed to have done something earlier. And unfortunately, this is I just think, interrupting yeah, things yeah. But there's also lots of things. Like, like Sinead Cassand's good piece in the Cindo, And she's saying, like... The fa- this has distracted from some things that should be more, far more worthwhile asking. Like, why did they concede two goals so quickly against France the last year? Yeah, it wasn't that was great? You know, great. that's the sort of stuff we should be talking about. And in fairness, that's the way coverage of women's team sport now has gone. And I, I'm delighted to see that that's the way it is. Yeah. It's just been a bit of a distraction that nobody needed, and I think it could have been put to bed earlier because it's a real he said, he said, she said. It's just you know well, that, that's what it is.
0: That's what's quite, what's quite striking about the um the two reports, the Athletic and. Well, less so the official report, because Be- report the Atlantic, Pau is yeah. yeah. not in the official report, but she's right a reply a lot of the time in the athletic report. And what's so striking is about, I'd say, the majority of the instances is it's not a case of Pow, as you would say, Johnny, saying, yeah, that's totally fine, though. Yeah, I did do that. In quite a lot of the accusations, it's that never happened. It's like complete opposite ends. It's not even, oh, no, I did do it that way and they didn't like it, therefore, you know mm. what can I do it was no that didn't happen so it was quite a frustrating read mm. my um,
2: cultural thing there too Joy, yeah oh it
0: it's definitely yeah. cultural like there's no doubt and we're at the beginnings like, she
2: says it she says a, I'm Dutch we're, we're I'm blunt be, we're at
0: the beginnings of like you the know? hate HR world getting involved in dressing rooms and that's going to be a mm. weird space for football across dressing rooms across all sports yeah she has a, great, the, she has the, a good yeah. the point I made during the week because it kind of blew up in a way I didn't want it to blow up or become as contentious as it became um I I'm completely sympathetic to everything you say about your sense of the allegations. Mm. Like, how could you not be? I'm mm. as, as well versed as anyone in the way a male British dressing room or Irish dressing room has functioned. So I am i didn't read the report in December or the athletic piece and fall off my chair horrified and say, stop everything now. But I, I said it in December and then I felt even I, I wished I'd said it louder back then. I said it in the past week and... What I said got turned into me going after Pow, And I must have said it several times, this is not about Pow. She should coach any way she wants. She should be as intense as she likes. However, I just think the FAI just need to explain their handling about this a little bit because, again, appreciating your point about the allegations. At the same time, this was like an official report by serious people who were vouching for the interviews they had done with players and staff. Yeah. And the line was, inappropriate or a a line has been crossed. Now, again, Johnny Ward, Joe Malloy, Clean Foley, privately, we can just as individual citizens go, what, like, move on, there's nothing in this. But But if you're the head of the FAI, what happened was that report was published and I'd say within about 90 minutes to two hours, there was complete public support of statement, nothing to see here, we don't need to look into this. like you wouldn't even had time to. You at least read the full report. I mm-hmm. doubt you would have had time to read the full <laughs> report in that <laughs> time. Report, yeah, yeah. And say there was yeah. again. It was I, I, I'm with you very, very in ridiculous. many ways. But say you're a 21, 22 year old, and you're like reading the Houston accounts, going, "Oh my God, i I actually really feel that way." Are you then going to feel like I can go to the head of the, of the FAI, who's just put out a statement, given full total backing, and there's a World Cup in six months? I'm going to sit. I'll just I'll just sit quietly and take it. And my only point was that. The FAI, it's supposed to be a new era, a grown up professional organisation. And this was a grown up report, an official report, admittedly with flaws. But if you're going to be an association that we can all think standards are really high there, we're saying power standards, standards are really high there. Mm. Then I think you've got to do more than within two hours, blanket support, everything fine. Like what did Powell say in the athletic report? They looked me in the eyes and they knew it was all lies. I mean Good line. Yeah, but so all I was saying um during the week and I and I stand by it is I think most associations, most companies, most entities would have said, Look, privately, we think this is fairly soft. This is just a cultural divide. But let's just take two, three, four days, get someone independent, go talk to the players, come back and tell us.
2: See if they're on it's
0: all great here. Yeah. What Katie McCabe said, we have arguments, but it's fine. Yeah. And and then we can come out publicly yeah. and we can say We've looked into it,
2: but it also does. And, give and g- we
0: exonerate Vera Pau. Mm. And Every, yeah. Everything we know for sure, because we've we've taken a sample size. Everything here is great, and you can trust us, Irish public. Mm. We're on top of this. Everything's great, and then in six months, mm. the athletic can write a piece. But we all know everything's good. Yeah. Whereas the FAI didn't behave like a grown-up organization. It rushed to inaction, and it left Pow open. You know, ironically. They did. They did power to service as well because they left, they left. They left her yeah. open to a sense of well, this hasn't really been addressed. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the FEI could have addressed And that's why it's coming
2: it. up again. I know the athletic, yeah. Yeah. but like so if that's that has point. happened, is and that, is that and an unfair? That's a point. Am I
1: wrong there? Because no. Well, I
2: agree with you. I Johnny, think if they had done it
1: that way. I, I, I haven't put it as much thought into it as that. To be honest, okay. like, and I do have some sympathy for the FEI. Um, you gotta have so much sympathy for the FEI coming back off the FEI that we knew um, everything. It scrutinized about everything. It probably made a bit of a snap decision there and said we're going. To back the manager. Yeah. Um, I think this is so much to do about nothing that if privately the FBI thought that we're going to back Vera and I don't think what you're saying there a 20 year old player that can relate to this is thinking am I going to be back there I'm not sure if that's much of a a thing to be honest
2: Can I say one thing we are in the area of accountability Mm. we are in that era things have Mm. changed male male soccer players in England now come out and say stuff you know how they're treated they don't Mm. accept that kind of treatment anymore Mm. and just equally women are equally entitled to come out and say we don't accept this stuff anymore but if if the governing body, like there was the issue of like the one of the examples that's come back with the Athletic is, is over a player that had an eating disorder and the accusation that she didn't treat this. And and there is the possibility that you treat this differently with female athletes. Right. Well, well, Actually, e- I think you should treat yeah, that equally yeah. with all athletes now, because men are just as prone to eating disorders. Women have as women. kids. Women have periods. The like, it's, have it's not there's the same. a lot of stuff it's, it's, there. It's exactly. Absolutely. They, so what I'm saying is, is that is that. There, were, there there may be other sensitivities here but I think if the FAI just didn't had put it to bed then ask the players who's anybody yeah. got problems whatever it's which I'm diligence. sure that they do internally all the time yeah, but when because you know they have to be accountable yeah. and they have to be taken the best care has to be given to these players um, Why and, would they you not know, give her She another may contract? not be perfect no, I don't think any manager is perfect mm. and there will be players that they clash with but
0: That's totally fine yes. and like again yeah. to stress like did the Irish rugby team love Joe Schmidt? Did they think Mm. he would, like, again, could you make parallels with Pau? There'd be loads of of managers where you say, if you came back then, what would the
2: players say? But let me put it this way.
0: If if some organisation that Joe Schmidt had worked for before came out with an official report Mm. and we all thought it was guff, would the IRFU not have at least done something? Mm. That's my only point on that. And it's it's a point of principle. It's not...
2: And I'll make another point about Pau. One of the first times I heard her speak was was, was on a panel. Uh, She wasn't in Ireland long. And it was very interesting what she said because um, she was talking about her, her history, like as a player, obviously she played a lot, then she managed a lot internationally. And somebody said to her, um, you know, would you like to work in the men's game? Mm. And she took serious umbrage at that, right? And she, she, she bristles, you know, sometimes she does bristle. Sometimes she's very, uh, in fact, as an international manager, she's probably very reasonable with the, manager, with the press. She doesn't get upset too often. Yeah. But she actually bristled and she said, I deliberately didn't. I got offered jobs in the men's game, but she said if all the good women leave the women's game, Mm. then what are we doing to the women's game? How can the women's game develop? It needs women in the women's game who who understand female physiology particular issues that are are particular to female players so she said actually I have deliberately chosen to stay in the women's game now that Mm -hmm. as I said I'm not saying her coaching is perfect I'm not saying she doesn't clash with players I'm not saying she's not blunt and tough on players because we know she is and she says she is and that's fine yeah but I did think that was interesting that she took that to heart because she does feel very passionately about the need to address the lack of science and the lack of you know, specialist uh, intricacies that need to be done in the women's game, even even based purely on physiology.
1: I once, I went, I once went out with one of five sisters. I only went out with one of them. and very, very uh, very intimate the, the, here. the dad used to say, <laughs> the dad used to say to them, "Will you toughen up? Will you right?" And I think there's an element of this here. Like, I mean, Vera Powell she might be a tough coach, but sure. like, let's get on. With it. You're playing at elite level of sport here, like, and and do you know what, Jenny, I, I, my suspicion
0: is. If the FAI had taken that sample size in Irish dressing room, it would have been a. Exactly.
2: That's where, that, it's an American that's where I'm saying is that the culture in America maybe. is different. Yeah. And like when she was in America, mm. like she actually had, and it might not have been wise, but like she said, you know, Europeans and Americans, we do things differently. And and certainly the bluntness, I think, would not go well down you, well are, with, with. So with here's a question. From are, you,
0: are you telling me in the two hours, and maybe it takes, what, 45 minutes to write a statement? Are you telling me the FAI board. Took account of all of those things in obviously that time. Not. That's not. That's my only point. I, immediacy was
1: obviously at its. Um, A
0: rush to an action.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I will. Um uh, I I think the FEI is really doing a really good job since the Delaney days. I think it's doing a, a good job. It's not. It's not. Um, it's far from flawless, but c- given the situation it inherited and the lo- lack of confidence um, it, across the board, I think in general it's it's doing a pretty good job. And maybe this was one of the times where it could have done something a little bit better. And that's yeah. fine too, yeah. by the way. That yeah, doesn't yeah, mean it's, it's. But yeah. they ha- they can't be above it. But I think so. yeah. I think people yeah.
2: if people are looking just to even get some insight into her and her background, the Shane McGrath piece is very yeah. good. So piece yeah. by Emma uh, Ryan and Ellie Dan. Yeah, t- There's a load of good features on her there that you'll get some like the, the, hide, the headline in the mail probably sums it up best. Hiding in plain sight. Vera Powell has always been unashamedly herself. Passionate, mm. determined, Forthright and absolutely certain in her beliefs, and that I think is, from my observation yes. of her, I'd say that might be her weakness: is that she she won't back down, and even on the science stuff, which some people would argue with her on, um, she wouldn't. She she's convinced she's right, and yeah. she's writing a book on you know yeah, yeah. on that yeah. whole th- piece, ACL and periodization with women's it's, fitness. It's
0: to her great credit. Both in December, because she could have cancelled a bunch of media interviews on the Friday yeah, after the them. report. Yeah, and this press conference, unlike because. Again, sorry, I'm. I'm not saying the FA are in Christ or anything, but I we sent an email to the FA just going, did you talk to players in the back of this report? And the reply was, we're looking forward to the World Cup, we can't wait. Uh, which yeah. was a simple question. In fairness to her, ask me anything. I'm, I'll stay yeah. here for the full half hour, mm. and and she's done it. Like that's very admirable. Because. Yeah. If you'd something to hide you know, you might be I'll do a five minute thing and the FBI is a
1: slightly convoluted communication department as well. So like I'm not sure what happened there, but I mean they shouldn't have sent that back, obviously. That was their answer. Yeah. But it
2: remains their answer. It was their answer last um, week as well, wasn't it? When the athletic article came out it was their answer as well as yeah. we've dealt with this, we stand by it and nothing everything. to see. Here. And look, whenever we qualify for a major tournament of any kind, even over the next few weeks, and let's hope we get we get some great action um but with the Women's World Cup, whenever we have an Irish team involved there is, obviously, in some elements, uh, a, a cheerleading element. But, you know, as journalists, you do have to ask hard, yeah, hard I, questions. I, I and and organisations have to ask hard questions to be so that everybody is sure and clear that everything is done. But, like, if you look at, at where the Irish women treat, were treated and they stood up, those brave women who stood up for themselves, you know, they went out in business class to Australia. POW has insisted that everything is done the best possible way for them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, to the... Four million people who tweeted me saying, what's your problem with a coach? (laughs) Coaching, (laughs) I don't have any problem with that. It was purely and 100% an FAI point and a 0% Vera Pau point. But uh, you're saying you were wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> Joe That's de- sorry. I'm. I'm. I, I hope I have not backed down from my FAI point. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> point. I stand I by. No, I agree. I agree with the FAI point.
2: I think it would have. Looking, it would have uh, absolutely cleared it. Yeah. They're looking, I, I, they're I,
1: looking I, for I, 300 million taxpayers' money or whatever it is. They need to be a grown-up. Joe, Joe, we're, we're the the country is. We have so much corporate tax income. Just throw money at everything. I mean, just throw <laughs> money at everything. I'm telling you, we have so much corporate tax rate. Just throw it at everything.
0: Um, okay by the way uh, I do suspect, and rightly so, the football's really going to take over now, and Fever Pitch will come in. And when these games start happening, I th- like I think it is, I think it will be parked. Is my sense? I don't feel like it's going to hang over. Yeah, the I think. Do you think
2: they come into camp? Their their set press conferences. It had to be raised because the Athletic article came out this weekend Monday, kind Yeah. Of, yeah I do of, want.
1: I do want to mention Dave it, Kelly's yeah. piece as well. If we yeah, yes, we very do one nice hour nice time, nice time. Yeah. Um, he talks to. Uh, would you have known shenkyo <laughs> Yeah. Can you asked me this, oh, and this is quite alarming now. I might have had a lapse year or two following Galway United, where I don't really remember Shane that well. But as I said to as said to Cleaner, I remember his uncle well, right? So I started to feel old because Oli Kyo, his uncle, um, would have been a very good player for Galway United. He's mentioned in the piece, and if I do quote, just um, Dave Kelly, this is typical Dave. It's all about Shane. Um, I saw a tweet and reached out to him. So I thought, this is a lovely way to actually write an article. I saw a tweet, and then you get this lovely piece, which is in both the Sunday World, and if I show it here on, what, page 13, and you see back from the brink, and then you have the backdrop of the sea, uh, presumably the Atlantic Ocean, and that's very significant in the piece. And um, There's been a lot of tragedy in um, Shane Kyo's family, as has been referenced. Um, and there's no... There's no crap in the piece at all. It's back from the brink. We get a lot of these articles about, like, you know, oh, I suffer from depression. It's good to talk. You know, it's okay not to feel okay. And you can't, like, just render these things solved by these, you know, little catchphrases that solve everything. So it's a lot more... There's a lot more to it than that. And this piece, I think, just sums up the mental health sort of issues that people have. And the fact that Shane... Uh, just he confronts them and he says, you know, he scored this goal 11 years ago in Richmond Park but then he misses a penalty um recently when he, before he gives up the drink and Dave kind of surmises that his head wasn't right now he's in a great shape he, he goes sea swimming um, he loves his life and all of that and I what I thought was a really lovely piece as well in terms of uh, the hope for the future he's contemplating going back playing League of Ireland because mm. he's still he's still of an age you see him in the piece he looks fresh um, out by the beautiful Galway coastline and he just he just goes on about Coon Were. like when you when you think of like St. John of God's or Kunwera, these places, this this thought of dread comes into your head. Imagine having to go there. And he just says, you know, about Kunwer. With my addiction to drink and drugs hitting rock bottom and now finding out so much about life, I thought it would be a junkie place. So many people there are now my best friends, genuine caring people. They're brilliant for me. They're on the same journey and we can always reach out for each to each other. I'm forever grateful to It changed my life completely. It didn't just cure my addiction, it transformed me as a person. And I'm firmly of the belief like a person doesn't have a drinking problem. He has problems he's trying to escape by drinking. And I think the likes of what um, this article explains to you, if you have issues and you know you have issues, you can go to places and talking actually might get you through it. Um, and Shane just says that. It's changed as a person. Beautiful piece from Dave Kelly in the Sindo and Sunday world.
2: It's interesting though, like, like the word junkie, I hate it. It's mm. so pejorative, Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's so dismissive. Uh, and even he accidentally uses it. Yeah. There, whereas the word "alcoholic" doesn't carry anything mm. like the same kind of judgment. Do you know what I mean? And that's what he was, and that's what he's talking about here, and how he's recovered from alcohol. And only eight months, he's he's free of drink, you know. But, and Coonver, of course, it seems to crop up time and time again in these articles, Joe. Where there's so few facilities in Ireland for people to recover from addictions, so few of them, and Coonwee started in Carlo is in Galway as well it's just mm. one of those places and everybody you ever read whoever goes into them dreading it comes out saying what an amazing place what amazing people you know
1: he sits upon I presume this is where the you know you, you have the rocky shorelines of Galway but uh, uh, Dave's piece Kyo sits upon the same rock as he did all those months ago when he was contemplating jumping off. And yeah. the story goes, there's a, a lady walking along and um, I think she's walking her dog and yeah. uh, she she sees him. And that, that sounds like, oh, it's kind of a bit of Holly movie, yes. But it, actually, that's true. That's what happens. And uh, She snapped him out snapped of it. Snapped him out of it. And um, yeah, I, I, I just love this piece. I think it's one of uh, some cracking pieces in the Sindal today. And uh, this is the best of them. It seems um, there was quite a bit of bereavement in his life and that led to the
0: Mm. addiction is a sense of it. He hadn't really talked it through. He got the opportunity to do that at Coon What I love is um, somebody talking about life in these terms now, the way he talks about life. Because, you know, he he admits like a lot of mistakes. You know, he split up with his girlfriend, six months of chaos, crashed a car, he was caught drink driving, suicide attempts. He rode off the car. That
1: was my life. This is only a paragraph. Yeah.
0: And... um, yeah, he uses the word contented now, which is just great because he, he played recently with Ethan Rye and they played in a, a Connacht uh, final and he scored a penalty. And he mm. said um, he went to the pub afterwards with the team and he had an orange. And then he says he drove home to a contented sleep. He said, and this is like this is the beautiful way we should all be aspiring to live as much as anything. My life is full of peace and tranquility. It's beyond my wildest dreams. I have no lavish material possessions, but I have what I need. I sleep soundly. I wake up every morning knowing my life is manageable because I'm living it. I've never known a peace of mind like it. Not even when I was a kid. Everything is clear. I don't need to avoid people because I've nothing to hide. I'm not scared. You're like, oh. And you
2: it takes a good writer to know to let somebody speak like that as well. Do yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. to get that. And, and it's an
1: evolving story as well. Let's hope yeah, this continues. Yeah, exactly. you know, like, there's no Hollywood ending necessarily in life. It's and and I, I, I hope, Shane, that, uh, yeah, because this is just a beautiful piece. Gives hopes, gives hopes to everyone really
2: one I liked was Jack there's another one a good piece in, in Cinder Joe oh yeah we before we go. It, yeah. just Jack Marley um, one of the boxers I mean the boxers came home from the Europeans last week with medals and should I have the heard great, of Jack Marley the great thing was well no not really um, Shane, uh, Sean McGoldick has a lovely piece with him um, he's from he's from the Sally Noggin odd, yeah Sally, Sally yeah. Noggin um, what's what's unique about him is well well, unusual about him is that it's not since Carlo Grady in 96 have we had a heavyweight qualify for the Olympics
0: so he did qualify yeah
2: he's, one of, he's, he's got the Olympics place wow. which is fantastic right but what's interesting it's a really really nice feature really well done but um what I think is it makes it particularly pertinent what we were talking about earlier is right is that yeah, he's the first one to qualify from his club from the Monkstown club right on several occasions last year Marley and other members of the club trained outside the offices of Dunleary Raddown County Council to highlight their plight after being locked out of their training facilities and this is the thing about the need to invest in boxing again, mm. where people you just we're where we need to put money in. It changes lives, it changes areas, um, and that's linked to, sh- to, to John, John Green's piece in the Sunday Independent. But the other thing that really interests me in this is, and this is why it proves why when you lose people, good people, they're lost, is he, he wasn't convinced he was good enough until Bernard Dunn said to him, you're good enough to come mm, in. Right. And Bernard Dunn was the one who called him into the high performance and said to him, you're a good enough kid, come in here. Four, mm. I think it was four weeks before he was due to sit his leave insert in 2002. He's only 20. Um, Bernard Dunn invited him to join the Irish squad and he was putting together a squad for the under-22s. Like, you you need good people in I a know. sport at that high elite level, that spot talent, and then will go and have the human touch and go and tell people, uh, you know, you could do I it. I was up watching you? the
1: Nicholas Roach uh, yearly bike race. It's it's in a kind of, a uh, almost like a housing estate, kind of, not that and far Dundrum. from. Dundrum. Yeah. And And um, so, like, some of the characters in the crowd, Annalise Murphy was there
2: cycling a lot she's these days a serious she's cyclist, serious like, cyclist. Like, she's like she I mean <laughs> she,
1: she, if she wants to turn pro like go ahead she's a monster um, but there was Mick Dowling across from me and Mick Dowling's son was cycling I'm pretty sure it was Mick Dowling's grandson There were the three generations you need good people, like Mick yeah. Dowling's role in boxing and you need that kind of, yeah. it's, it's absolutely true. It was a beautiful experience and uh, that caught me thinking of Mick Dowling in Irish boxing and all that.
2: So he and he, he, he will now go on the carding scheme because he won a medal at Europeans as well. So oh, yeah. that He's again will money. affect yeah. so all that vital stuff that you need to, to, to get into the elite end of your sport and stay in it.
1: And there is that guy that's come came over to Ireland all those years ago that's like the king of Irish boxing. Sar, yeah, yeah Zare. He's yeah. by all accounts. Top, 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 top. World class. Yeah. yeah, we're out of time.
0: Thank you both so much. That was great, Kleena Foley and Johnny Ward. What a what a dream team.
1: Come <laughs> back in six months, Johnny. Uh, yes. uh, the last time I do want to admit this the last time I was on I was at a stag the day before it right. wasn't you it was with John Duggan I was like uh, never never again it was, no. it was, it was a, a mile stag a Dublin stag I went home at half 11 but if you do have like a Negroni and then you have another Negroni and then you're whatever I was right. like never never again so right. this was a this was a lovely experience of both oh, well, by listen. comparison thank you we'll take a short break
0: Tommy Welch is at uh, Crow Park he's going to join us next